If you turn me tonight in your Bibles to John, let's go to John chapter 20, verse 21. I want to minister you tonight on the true gospel. The true gospel of Jesus Christ and the true message of Jesus Christ. I read this story in a book that Pastor had one time. And it was a story about this man that had a vision that the Apostle Paul came down and visited with him. And in this vision of the Apostle Paul visiting with him, the Apostle Paul spoke this to him. He told them, he said, the church is in a very exciting place. The church strategically is placed in the greatest place that it's ever been in. He said, because you see, the fulfillment of the word of God is upon us. The fulfillment of the scriptures, the fulfillment of the Messiah returning, his second coming, is upon the church. So he stressed that it was the greatest season that the church has ever been in, as the Apostle Paul in this vision spoke to this pastor. But this is what he said. He said, but your gospel... The gospel that you preach, the gospel that you speak of, is very unrecognizable to heaven. He said the church is in a, in a place of prophetical fulfillment. But the gospel that the church declares and the gospel that the people call salt and light is very unrecognizable. It's not the same gospel, it's not the same gospel that led multitudes to salvation. And this is the vision that this man had with the Apostle Paul. The true gospel church isn't necessarily prophesying. That's not the true gospel. The true gospel is not casting out demons. The true gospel is not even signs and wonders and miracles. The true gospel is not how much we come to church. The true gospel is not how much that we give in the offering and the tithes. That is not the true gospel. Jesus said that many of you on that day will say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We perform signs and wonders and miracles and we prophesy in your name. But Jesus will look at them and say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So, the true gospel is what? The cross. That's the true gospel. The true gospel is Jesus Christ. The, ba- the First Baptist Church, they have all these billboards, and I'm sure that some of you have seen them. The First Baptist Church in Longview, and it says Jesus, period. That's it. The true gospel is Jesus Christ, period. Now, I'm not talking about the fullness of the word, but I'm talking about the true gospel that leads to salvation is simply all wrapped up in the cross. God is calling the church, he's calling this body of Christ to begin to fulfill his vision that he's given this church. God has given this church an incredible vision. He has dropped in the heart of our pastor an incredible vision. I like some of these pastors. They get together and, man, they they write a book of a vision. And year after year, they come up with new visions after new visions. And they never even fulfilled the first vision that God gave them. 
But our pastor has heard the voice of God. Did he write a book? No. Does he change it every year? No. But he heard the voice of God. And the vision for this church is to advance the kingdom of God one soul at a time through the ministry, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, this vision is not just to be pretty, and it's not just to be wrote on paper, and it's not just a neat little slogan when someone asks you, hey, what's the vision for your church? What do y'all stand for? Oh, we stand for winning the lost at any cost. We stand for advancing the kingdom of God one soul at a time through the ministry of Jesus Christ. But the vision has been given that the vision may be fulfilled. The vision has been given that the vision may be fulfilled. I believe that that's why God's word has been speaking over the body of Christ, that we must not despise the small beginnings. Because so many times we get our eyes and our minds set on the multitudes, multitudes, why people, men and women, single individuals, men and women are dying and going to hell. While we say, give me the multitude, give me the crowds, give me the high school, give me my neighborhood. What about that one individual? What about that one person? What did Jesus do? Jesus left the 99 for the one, right? What do we need to do? We need to leave the mindset of the multitude and go get one soul and advance the kingdom of God, one soul. How do you reach a multitude? How do you get 12 disciples? One by one. The vision statement, this vision statement, I believe, is the true gospel. It's not a fairy tale. It doesn't just sound good. I believe that the Apostle Paul, in this vision of this man, I believe that he was spoken that this is the true gospel. This is the vision statement of Jesus Christ. He sent one man into this world to save one individual, you. The gospel, the gospel isn't about good preaching. The gospel isn't about good singing. The gospel is not about uh, how many church services we have. The gospel is strictly about, it's not even about signs and wonders. It is about Jesus Christ and that's it. It is about Jesus Christ and that is it. This is what God spoke to me and he told me on Monday. I was praying Monday morning. And this is what he dropped in my spirit. He said, tell the people not to soon forget. Tell the people not to soon forget. And he took me back and I said, well, God, what are you talking about? And he took me back into Sunday. And he said, Sunday, my people, they worshiped me. They celebrated my resurrection and they celebrated my death. They celebrated my life. And many of them, they thought about me all day. They may have read to their children about me. And they talked about me. They came to the house of God. They came to church. But many, when they come, when they lay their heads down their pillows at Sunday night, and they wake up on Monday morning, many of them will soon forget what they celebrated the day before. And he spoke to me and he said, tell the people that my death and my resurrection is the true gospel. And you must not soon forget what this gospel and what this Christian life is all about.
You see, it was after his death and his resurrection that Peter and the other disciples begin in a backward motion. It was after the death and the resurrection that in John chapter, I believe it was chapter 21 and verse 3, that Peter and them, they are waiting for, they aren't even waiting for Jesus. But they have already known that he has died. They've already known he's been resurrected because they've seen him at one point. But they're standing there. And you know what Peter says? Peter says, let's go fishing. You know what the other disciples say? They say, okay, we'll go. The first time we see Peter in Luke chapter 5, what was he doing? He was fishing. Before he met Jesus, what was he doing? He was fishing. But then he was called into a life of ministry. He was called into the true gospel. He was called into the revelation of Jesus Christ being the Messiah. But what happened? Soon he forgot and went into backward motion, right back where he came from. Many times the church, we get into a backward motion and we find ourselves going right back where we came from. That is not the true gospel working in our lives. Thank you. If you love me, he said, if you love, three times he said, if you love me, Peter said, yeah, I love you. Then feed my sheep. If you love me, yeah, I love you. Then feed my sheep. No, Peter, I'm telling you, no church, if you really, really love me, I love you, then feed my sheep. Declare the true gospel. Declare that Jesus saves unto a lost and a dying world. We must release and declare this gospel. One must be carriers of the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. John 12 and 32 says, And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Why are people not being saved anymore? Because Jesus is not being magnified anymore. Why? Or church is not full anymore because Jesus is not being magnified anymore. Think about it. Church, we have been sent just like Jesus was sent. Just like Jesus Christ was sent by the Father, we have been sent by Jesus. Listen to this. In John 20 and 21, again he said, peace be with you. Listen, this is the words of Jesus. This is powerful stuff. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I, Christ, am sending you. We have been sent in the same way that Christ was sent. Christ was sent to preach the kingdom of God, and we were sent to preach the gospel of Christ. Christ was sent preaching the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God has now come, and now we have been sent to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, advancing his kingdom one soul at a time through the ministry of Jesus Christ. 
Christ was sent as a salt and a light to the nations. Now Christ has sent us to be the salt and the light to the world around us. We are to be salt. We are to be light to our schools. Salt and light in our neighborhood. Salt and light in our home. Salt and light to our children. Salt and light in the grocery store. We are to be salt and light to a lost and a dying world. Let me tell you something. The gospel is not about prospering. The gospel is not about blessings. The word of God may be about blessings. And the word of God may be about prospering. But the message of Jesus Christ is not about prosperity. And it's not about blessings. It's about me and you going and winning a lost and dying world. That's the gospel. And we have been commissioned and we have been sent with the power of the Holy Ghost to go and to make disciples of all men. You want signs and wonders? Preach the gospel and it will follow you. Jesus, 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 Jesus builds big churches. Jesus brings salvation. Jesus saves the lost. Jesus sends revival. Jesus sends an awakening. It is the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess at the gospel of Jesus Christ. My God, if we want an awakening, we should stir Jesus in the hearts of men and women. Let us preach Jesus. Let me tell you something. We're sent as hope to the hopeless. We are sent as, as love to the unloved. We are sent to peace to those that are in trouble. That's what we are sent for. We are sent as faith and truth and trust to the critics of this gospel. Let the critics look at our life and judge it. He tells us in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, that we are the salt of the light, the salt of the world. We are the light of the world. Let me tell you something. I'll get to that here in a minute. The gospel of Christ that we declare, it must be salty. The gospel of Christ that we declare must be salty. Our lives must be a good flavor. I'm telling you, the word of God says, taste and see that God is good. How will the world taste and see God? They'll taste your life. And if you're bitter, they will spit you out. But if it's salty, they'll say, who is your God? Hey, we're not rejected because we speak in tongues. We're not rejected because we're holy rollers, but we're rejected because our lives aren't salty. I tell you what, if we love them, if we care about them, and we prefer them over ourselves, they won't care whether we speak in tongues or not. Because they're looking for something the world can't offer them. Salty. Colossians 4 and 6. Let your conversation... Be always full of grace. Season with salt that you may know how to answer everyone. Let your conversation, let your life be seasoned with salt. Mark 9 and 50 says, you must have the quality of salt among yourself. 
the world will taste and see. When they taste the real gospel, it must be salty. You may only get one chance. When they test your life, it must be salty. When they see you, when you think nobody's looking, it must be salty. The world is looking for the power of the true gospel. I said the world is looking for the power of the true gospel. They are looking for the flavor of God. They're looking for the hope, the peace, and the joy of God. They're looking for the refuge from this dying world that is out to steal, kill, and destroy their life. The world has it. The world has left a bad flavor in their mouth. So let us change it. Let us change it. The world has left hurt, rejection, and unfulfilled promises. The church has left unfulfilled promises in the world's life. What's going to set us apart? A salty gospel. <laughs> A salty gospel. My God... Man, we go to we go to Telly's, and my son he takes a bottle of salt and will get all over those chips. I mean, I'll just have to tell him to stop, stop putting the salt all over the chips. I pray that we get in our prayer closet. I pray we get in our car. I pray we get in our knees and we take this salt bottle and pour it all over our lives. Our lives must proclaim the favor of God. They're looking for something that's salty. We are the light of the world. Listen. We are carrying on the ministry of Jesus Christ. You see, the ministry of Jesus Christ will not be fulfilled into the second coming, okay? Follow me. In Isaiah 42, it's prophesied that God will send Jesus Christ as a light to the Gentiles. And then Simeon in Luke chapter 2, he declares that the light of the Gentiles has now come. Talking of Jesus Christ. Did Jesus ever go to the Gentiles? Did Jesus ever go to the Gentiles? Never did. Never did. So who fulfills that prophecy? Me and you. In Acts chapter 13, Paul declares that Jesus Christ has called us to be the light to the Gentiles. We are the salt and the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The ministry of Jesus Christ, the prophecy of Jesus Christ is still being fulfilled in your life. We are the light. Our light must guide the world to the cross. I said our light, our life must guide the world to the cross. The world needs to know what the world needs to know what he did for the woman at the well. You hear me? This world needs to know what Jesus did for the Samaritan woman at the well. This world needs to know what he did for the woman caught in the act of adultery. This world needs to know what he did for the paralyzed man lowered through the roof in Mark chapter 2 that he forgave him of his sin. The world doesn't need you judging them. The world doesn't need you trying to clean them up. The world needs a lie. They need to know that he's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy and he's a God of love. Stop sending people to hell. Stop sending people to hell. That is not your job. It is your job to love them. You want them to be cleaned up. You want them to quit smoking. You want them to quit doing drugs. You want them to quit drinking alcohol. You want them to quit cussing. Then love them. I'm fired up.
Hey, this is the true gospel. It's a love heart. If you knew what I went through to get this sermon together, my God. If I would have known praise and worship would have been this good, I would have quit at 12 o'clock today. I would have said, I'll let them have it. The true gospel loves hard. I have Uncle Don and Aunt Darlene. They started a church. I think the church was running probably in the 70s or 80s. They pretty much had a church split. And when he retired 25 years later, it was running about four to 500. And me and my wife were up visiting with them. And we said, boy, I tell you what, you sure worked hard. My little aunt, sweet darling, said, no, baby, we just loved hard. How do you grow the kingdom? How do you advance the kingdom one soul at a time through the ministry of Jesus Christ? You love them. You make it sound so simple. I do, don't I? The gospel is all tied up in this foundational scripture. John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believeth in him will never perish but have eternal life. What's the foundation of it all? Someone loved you. In the midst of your sin, someone loved you. In the midst of your adultery and cheating on God, being mean to your wife, cussing your wife, cussing your dog, talking bad to your husband, talking bad to your children, not paying your tithes, not coming to church, somebody loved you. Now, I'm not preaching no greasy grace. He loves you too much to leave you there. But I preach enough on judgment. I'm going to preach on some love now. That makes you feel good, doesn't it? Hey, I've skinned some of you before. I know I have. Romans 8 and 32 says, For he did not spare even his own son, but gave up even his own son. Would he withhold any good thing from you? The message of the cross, it's because it, it was all originated because someone loved you so much that he gave his life to you. John, John, 1 John 4 and 10. This is real love. Not that I love God, but that God loved me and sent his son as a sacrifice to wipe away my sins. It's not love that I love God. I can love God because he loved me first. I have nothing to offer, but he had everything to offer. And yet while I was a sinner, he sent his son to die for me. That is love. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply loving hard. Listen, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? But the second is equal as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He told them in Revelations chapter 2, he writes there to the church and he says, your mistake is, your fault is, you don't love me the way you used to and you don't love people the way you used to. Paul did not understand and recognize this gospel in the vision that he spoke to that man because there was no love in the gospel. You take the love out of the gospel, you don't have a gospel. You have a false teaching. You have a false doctrine without love and grace and mercy. Where am I? Hosea 6 and 6 says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. Christ, why did he draw sinners? Why did he draw tax collectors? 
Why did he draw fishermen? Why did he draw sinners? Why did he draw Zacchaeus? Why did he draw the religious leaders, the teachers, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees? Because they were too religious to love. He drew sinners because that's all they desired was love. How do we draw sinners? Because that's all they desire is someone to love them. How do I draw the lost, lost ones? They just desire someone to love them. They desire someone to listen to them. They don't desire someone to give them their phone number and when they call you, you screen their phone calls. They don't desire someone that says, I love them, but walk around the pew so they don't greet you and stop you for two or three minutes letting you know about their problems. That's not love. I just got on somebody's toes, didn't I? I got on mine. Hey man, I've walked around, I've walked through this door plenty of times. Just gonna be honest. That ain't love though. No, you can laugh, you can say, oh me. If I walk through this door, I promise you I'm not doing that to you. He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for the lost. The disciples didn't quite understand it yet. And they said, send them away. He said, no, I can't send them away. They will faint along the way. He was concerned about them. He was genuinely concerned about them. He really, really cared about their hearts. It is time that the church be baptized with love. I said, it's time that the church be baptized with love. I stood down here a couple weeks ago on a Sunday night. The pastors had a meeting. And we walked down this aisle. We're having like a victory march or something like that. To me, it was, I enjoyed it. But I got down here and I was just praying. This is kind of where the, where the waters were troubled. And I was praying. And my wife, my precious wife, who's taught me more about love than anybody I know. She has taught me forgiveness. She has taught me love. She has taught me to erase the past. And she took her, she took her hand and put it on my belly and began to push up. And she began to call up the rivers of love. And she began to call up the rivers of compassion with inside of me. And I felt the power of God literally begin to consume me and baptize me with compassion and love. Begin to break judgmentalness off of me. Begin to break judging people off of me. And begin to give me a whole new grace. It's time that we be baptized with love. Let us pray for God to grace us. To grace us with love. To embrace and to see people the way that God sees them. Let us pray for a grace for us to begin to see people the way God sees us. Let us begin to see for the grace and mercy that he has shown us that we may extend it to those that have done us wrong. Listen, we cannot embrace people where they are. We must embrace people where they're going. If you would have embraced me where I was 10 years ago, you wouldn't be sitting here tonight. If you would have embraced our pastor where he was 5, 10 years ago, you wouldn't be sitting here tonight. You must embrace where God has taken the person. You must embrace the blood on their life. Amen. The true gospel is the character of God. Do you hear me? The true gospel is the character of God wrapped up in Christ and clothing us. The true gospel is the character of God wrapped all up in Christ and covering and clothing us. 
the gospel we declare with our lives must reflect the image of God. The gospel that I declare and I preach, the salt and light of my life, it must reflect the image of God. I I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I'm going to talk about it again. In verse 22, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the fullness of the tongues didn't come into Acts. But he was, the Spirit's been, been here since Genesis 1 and 2. That's the first time it shows up. So, he breathes more of the Spirit onto them and baptizes them with the Spirit. As he breathes on, he said, receive the Spirit. What is the character of God? The character of God is the fruit of the Spirit. That's the character of God. What was he doing? He was releasing into them the Spirit. He was releasing into them the Spirit to bring about the character of God in their lives. He was releasing in them the love. He was releasing in them the joy. He was releasing in them peace. He was releasing in them patience. It's hard to have patience with people, isn't it? But we need to be baptized with the character of God and with the Spirit of God. We need to let God breathe on us. Amen. We need to let God breathe love on us. Breathe joy and peace and patience. Breathe kindness and goodness. Breathe faithfulness. Breathe gentleness. And breathe self-control. Because against these, there is no law. Against these, there is no law. There is no law against these characteristics. Let the world taste this flavor and see this light. Let me tell you something. Churches don't grow with salvation because of good preaching, good singing, or our programs. But churches grow with salvation because the gospel is established. Not just in the pulpit, but in your life. I can establish this tonight, but if you don't go out and fulfill the vision, then nothing happens. I I need you and you need me. Right? We need pastor and he needs us. The gospel is the character of God. The gospel is the fruit of the spirit. The truth, the truth, the true gospel is a servant to others. Do you hear me? The true gospel is a servant to others. We must stop being self-absorbed and self-centered and selfish. Don't turn me off. I'm, 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 I'm going to close up. I, have, I got ten more minutes. Don't, we must stop being self-exhorbed, selfish, and self-centered. That's not the gospel. But that's been the gospel of the American church. That, that's, been, that's been my life. It's about me preaching. It's about what I do. It's about what you do. It's about our ministry. No, it's not. It's about the cross. Listen to what the Word of God says in Philippians 2, 3, and 5. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. But you you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. This gospel is not about you. It's about Jesus. 
This gospel is not about our ministry. It's not about this church. It's not about our location. It's not about our title. It's about Jesus. Why, why is the American church not seeing Jesus move and seeing the next great awakening? Because the American church is not following the gospel. We are selfish. It's the truth. It is the gospel. It's the truth. I am telling you the truth. Why would God not want to send an awakening? Because he doesn't see his son in the church. And he won't share his glory with anybody. We can't get the glory of God if it's our glory. It must be the glory of the, of the word of God. It must be the glory of the cross. Glory to God. This gospel Christ Jesus, he lived not for himself, but he lived for others. In Matthew 20 and 28, For the Son of Man came not in this world to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. This, this is the true gospel. He didn't live for himself, but he lived for me and he lived for you. Matthew 25, 35 and 36. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. And I was in prison and you came and visited me. That's the gospel. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ all wrapped up. James 1 and 27 pure and true religion in the sight of God the Father means care for orphans and widows in their stress and refusing to allow the world to corrupt you that is the true gospel the true gospel is care for orphans and widows Luke 22, 26, 27 he tells the disciples but among you it will be different those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant who is more important one who sets at the table or the one who serves the table the one who sets at the table of course but not here in my kingdom for in my kingdom it is the one who serves the table that is more important the gospel is not about me. It's about me serving Jesus Christ. It's not about me. It's about me serving Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's about us serving Jesus Christ. The gospel is humble. It's lowly. It's not proud. It's gentle and it's kind. That's the true gospel. Very seldom do you find in, all, in, in, th- in three Gospels out of the four is, is the same scripture and the almost identical writing the same. But in Matthew chapter 6, Mark 8, and Luke 9, this is what it says. If you want to be my disciples, you must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross and follow me. Anyone who tries to hang on to their life will lose it. This is, this is the gospel. Anyone who tries to hang on to their life will lose it. But anyone who gives up their life for my sake and the sake of the good news, the true gospel, then they will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? I challenge you, I dare you tonight to take up your cross and lay down your life and pick up the gospel. I challenge you tonight to lay down your life. Take up your cross. Take up the true gospel. And follow Christ. Many people said, I want to follow you. He said, listen, birds have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. 
Foxes have holes. But he didn't have shelter. Had nothing. We must count the cost. Let me tell you something. We are his mouthpiece. As I said before, we are the light. We are the gospel that is still being carried on. We are the salt unto a lost and dying world. We are his mouthpiece. We are his prophets. We are his evangelists. We are his pastors, his teachers. We are his servants. We are his apostles. We are the ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we don't carry the message, then who will? If we don't love, then who will? If we don't show forth the character of God, then who will? Let some Isaiah's arise up and say, Lord, if you can use anyone, if you can send anyone, send me. I declare that someone stands up in our high schools, someone stands up in our jobs, someone stands up in the grocery store, someone stands at the bank and says, I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to declare that Jesus Christ saves. And you know what? Somebody loves you. Just tell them somebody loves them. Just walk, I dare you to walk up to someone tomorrow and just say, hey, do you know Jesus loves you? My kids, I will do that to people. And Pate will say, my, did you see the smile that came across their face? We are the ambassadors. We must pray and we must weep over them, church. We must pray and weep, weep over them. We must become the safe place for them. I'm telling you what, when the church hits their knees in prayer for the lost souls, then this wicked world will shift. When the, prayer, when the church hits their knees in prayer, then this wicked world will have to shift. One soul at a time. Through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Romans 1 and 16, I'm going to leave you with this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the good news. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jews first. And also the Gentiles. We have been commissioned in Mark 16 and 15. Go into all the world and preach the good news, the gospel to everyone. The power of the good news is in the story of the good news. I said, the power of the good news is in the story of the good news. We must become more aware and more acquainted with the cross of Jesus Christ that we may be able to share it to a lost and dying world. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word tonight. And I pray that you would go before us, God, and that you would clear the path. I pray, Father God, tonight that we would not slip away from this truth, that we would not turn away from this truth. But God, that we will run towards the truth, towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that we will not so soon forget the challenge that you have put before us tonight. I pray that God, our vision would not just be a slogan, would not just be some pretty saying, would not just be, oh, this is what our vision is. But I pray that we would tie it upon our fingers, we would wrap it upon our hearts. I pray that you would wrap it upon our heads and write it on our hearts. And tomorrow, that God, we would be the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for the souls. We pray for the lost souls. We pray for the lost family members, the lost friends. I pray for a spirit of boldness will come upon us. The Bible says when the spirit comes upon you, you receive power to be a witness of me. I pray give us power of boldness and power to be a witness. Let us be God. Let us pray like Paul and let us declare that our boldness would never pass away. I pray go with your people in your grace and in your love and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and bring them back here safely Sunday. Touch your people with your holy word. In Jesus' name we declare it and ask it. And the people of the Lord said, Amen.
God bless you. Thank you for being here.